0: What, what really inspires me is, is it, are the people, are, are, the, are the many families that, you know, think every single day that really they need Corpus Christi Parish to assist them with the DTE bill. And I chuckle in a very respectful way because I say, man, that's just what they think they're here for. You know what I mean? They don't know that they're about to have an encounter with Christ, man. They are about to get ready to explode and change the life, not only for themselves, but for their children and for their children's children. And if we can do that, if we can do that on a, I'm talking about a minuscule, small scale, then I think we've done great work.
1: Welcome to Open Door Policy. All are welcome here. We're here to listen to testimonies from all over Southeast Michigan to hear our sisters and brothers share their faith journey. Open Door Policy means letting people walk into our lives and telling us their experience of God, what led them to Him, and how their life has changed. Tune in every other week for a new episode of Open Door Policy. I'm Emily Mentock,
2: And I'm Father Patrick Gagnon.
1: Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to another episode of Open Door Policy and we are joined today by Curtis Simpson. Curtis, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you, thank you so much, Emily. Thank you for having me, I appreciate the platform.
1: We're so glad you're here.
2: My main man, Curtis Simpson from Corpus Christi Catholic <laughs> Church in Detroit. How are you, brother?
0: Yeah, brother, I'm blessed, man. Highly favored, I can't complain about anything.
2: Curtis and I are dear friends. We, we are at the same uh, parish assignment, Corpus Christi, so this is gonna be a lot of fun, folks. Curtis is uh, quite a treat,
0: so back to you, Emily.
1: Awesome. Well, Curtis, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your role at Corpus Christi.
0: Well, thank you. So, yeah, I am uh, the Christian Service Director at Corpus Christi Parish. Uh, I've been in this capacity for the last, oh my God, it's been now 10 and a half years. Uh, It it was, (laughs) we started out at St. Gerard's and uh, we were clustered with the Immaculate Heart of Mary and then we became Corpus Christi Parish. And so it's been a, it's been an incredible ride. And, uh, Uh, I absolutely love what I do, man. The people that we serve and what we do in this city is amazing. Yes. That's
1: awesome. And I have to ask you, Curtis, did you make New Year's resolutions?
0: Wow. Yes, I did. And I've already failed. I I wish I was real committed to it. It was a really easy one. It should have been easy. Um, yeah, I wanted to give up hamburgers, and January the 1st, I went straight to McDonald's. I'm not even going to lie, I went straight there and got a double cheeseburger with mayonnaise and bacon. I, I just messed up the whole thing. No veganuary
1: uh, for you. I know,
0: right? I figured I could start February 1, uh, because I'm always a little bit late anyway, uh, so maybe February 1 will be my new year, and then I can start then. There you go. <laughs> That's good there stuff. you
1: go. Well, I'm on five and a half years of being vegan, so no hamburgers for me.
0: Congratulations. Wow. You are missing out. I'll get them.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, um, Father Patrick, what else do we want to know from Curtis today?
0: Curtis, who?
2: Two questions out of the gate. Who? Uh, who's your confirmation saint, and who's someone who greatly inspired you in your walk in Christ?
0: Wow, that's a great question. So uh, John the Baptist, man, you know, he he's like a, a renegade, man. I mean, if, if the epitome and the person who's a Christian today was to take example from him, we'd all be on a better path right now. I mean, mm. that guy was a, was, was a renegade. And so uh, that's who he was. And then very much so instrumental person in my life. And I have to just be I, there were there were a few. But uh, Father Don Archambault, recent Amen. retiree of Corpus Christi Parish, was, uh intricate, I'm talking about just powerful in my life, uh, Mm -hmm. how to be uh, a a working saint, a working saint in progress. And then also, you know, just how to relate to people and really get to the core of how to engage people, inspire people uh, to be better, to do better, to move better, to walk better. So Father Don Archambault, among many, is probably top on my list. Praise God.
1: That's great. And Curtis, can you, you mentioned you work at Corpus Christi as a Christian service coordinator. Um, Can you tell us a little bit more about what your life as a joyful missionary disciple has looked like lately? Because I'm sure that role has changed a lot, even in the pandemic and coming out of the, the holiday season. So either from your work or in your, you know, your home life, can you just tell us about what your, your life as a joyful missionary disciple
0: is? Yeah, yeah, it's it's been an incredible joyous ride so far. Um, I, I really have to give a, a big up to the Archbishop, you know, he was really inspired by the Holy Spirit to move, you know, the Archdiocese of Detroit and our city in a way that is affecting and affecting people's lives. And I think it starts with the core, us, right, the people who are on the front line, lay ministers, uh, your normal people who are just in a pew that might give you a high five along the way. Um, your your pastors father father Patrick is, is amazing uh, a spiritual man of God uh, you can see there's a a renaissance a movement that is captivating the city and so uh you know for it to be in words in a, in a document like unleash the doc uh, unleash the gospel excuse me uh, when you put those things in words you know you can't run from it right you, you become vulnerable to it and so yeah it, it's been uh, an incredible don't get me twisted very busy. <laughs> Uh, right. But it's been something that I've learned more, you know, about my own spiritual journey. I've learned more about people um, and really, really how to motivate them uh, to find God. Because, see, in my ministry, you're going to find people who say, hey, hey, Mr. Simpson or Curtis or whatever they call me. Uh, I need a bag of food. And, and and again, you know, time and time again, you feel like that that is the reason that they're there. Right. I'm supposed to give them this food. and. and you know, pray with them and, and then send them on, on, along their way. But Emily, Father Patrick, it's, it's so much deeper than that. You know, when you get a chance to talk to people and really get to know them and hear their struggles and their stories and pray with them and cry with them and laugh with them and high five them, where they look at you not necessarily even as a person working for the church, but they look mm-hmm. at you as a friend or a brother. See, that's mm-hmm. the real mission. And when we really get to the simplicities of what Jesus is trying to teach us, it is the simplicities of life like that, building friendships along the way, being that positive person, being that light, that joyful light along the way, you never know who you might touch. And we don't know how much time we have on earth. So Amen. you wanna use these moments uh, as you can to end up most the most change you possibly can. In your families, uh, I'm a single father with two kids, it's hard, I mean, they're at home with school. You know, I got to figure out how we're eating all day long, snacks all day long, and and consider, you know, what they're, what they're going through, you know? Uh, and then also still uh, you know, do my job and, and, and be uh, a catalyst for people to be able to depend on because I represent something more, something more that people want, but they don't know they want it, mm-hmm. Emily. So it's our job to kind of make sure we check and balance ourselves along the way. I always say the one of the most powerful jobs in the world is <laughs> gonna make you laugh, I hope. Uh, <laughs> my jokes get horrible after seven o'clock, so forgive me. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but no. Uh, but is an accountant, right? Accountants actually have the most boring job in the world. Let's keep it real. You're looking at numbers all day long. But let me tell you what they have that none of us have. They check and balance everything, every day, all day. So there's no gaps. There's no, man, you know, you were having a bad day and a guy cut you off in traffic and now it's time to curse. Oh, because we can go to church on Sunday and ask for forgiveness. It's okay. Accountants check themselves all day. So there's never any any, any little squeaky wheels, any water getting through. They're always on their game. Accountants have it right that way. Their job their job is boring though, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs>
1: wow, never thought I'd be taking life advice from accountant work. It's <laughs> a great that's a great new perspective you brought us. <laughs> So it sounds like you have a really, you know, just like amazingly inspired, inspiring attitude about being a joyful missionary disciple now, but we would actually really love to explore, you know, how you came to have this perspective, this relationship with Christ that you have, like what has led you to now being able to bear bear witness um, in this incredible way. So um, maybe you could tell us a little bit, what was your life like before encountering Christ?
0: Ah oh, man, it's a great question. We're gonna be talking for a long time. Get your coffee ready. No, I'm let's do it. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, well, you know, I was a young man. I grew up in this city. Uh, I, you know, I, I had a lot of things, and I have to be honest and just talking real. I mean, uh, you know, I'm a black young man growing up in the city. Uh, I was the only. We were the only Catholic family in my neighborhood. You know, we grew up in a pretty, pretty. I'm gonna say rough area. It was pretty rough though. Uh, but everybody was Baptist, you know, everybody was Church of God in Christ or Lutheran. And, you know, I remember, you know, people you know, say, oh, yeah, well, Curtis, what church you go to? And it's like, ah, oh, I go to at the time, St. Gerard's Catholic Church. And they're like, hold on, you're black and you go, you you praise Mary. You know, that was the whole assumption mm-hmm. back in the day, uh, the whole, you know, illusion. People thought that that's all we did is is worship idols. And Mary was God and and, and Jesus was just this guy. and. Um, so at, at one point, uh, you know, I really didn't, I was afraid, you know, to express my faith. I was, I was, and this is way back. I'm talking about third, fourth grade. Like I just, people ask me what church you go to. And I just say, oh, I go to church up the street sometimes. But really we were in church, you know, two times you know, a week, you know, we were for mass. And then, you know, we were also there for, my mom had meetings or whatnot. We were kind of always around the church. Um, and then something happened to me. I was a, always a ball player. I was in sports and stuff. And, you know how you get tired of getting pushed around. Like, if you're a little guy, they're gonna push you. If you're too fat, you're gonna call you fat, slow. You know, you can't shoot, you're, You know, people always talk trash on the court. And so I, I was sitting I said, you know, I'm tired of hiding what feels so good. And I made this mm-hmm. at a very like, I'm tired of hiding that what feels so good. And so I went to talk to Father Don and I told him all about it. I said, I've been hiding from God. I Almost been, you know, like almost not even trying to even tell people that I actually go to a beautiful church and I'm happy. You know, because I'm, I'm I'm a black kid and I'm supposed to be Baptist. That's what everybody tells me I'm supposed to be. Hmm. And uh, with his wisdom, he just sat back and said, do what your heart tells you to do. And that put me on fire. I was just fine with that. Uh, I got into the church. I was hired uh, to work in the church office as a little office aide, six hours a week. It was four dollars and some change an hour back in the All day. Right. I was making oh big gosh. money. Whoa, it was big money. And uh, I used to take my Bible with me everywhere. I would read anytime I could get. I always had liked to read um, in sports. Those are my two favorite things uh, beyond movies. And um, I just started to learn. I started to really get motivated uh, into just learning about who God was to me. You know, your parents kind of tell you who God is to you as you're coming up because you're just going to church and doing your thing. But, you know, for me, man, it, it was really, really a personal thing. I really want to get to know this this Jesus guy, this you know what is this thing all about and that's when I started to pray and you know really started to develop uh you know uh, uh, not being afraid to speak in public <laughs> uh you know not being afraid to pray with people not being afraid even when you're around cousins or family members or friends that curse or don't even believe in god to say hey man you want to go to church man let me tell you about jesus man look you good you should pray man I, I mean i started to develop this little just just energy and then when i was 13 years old okay uh The then (laughs) uh, was it uh, a seminarian. Jerry Battersby was a seminarian at our Mm -hmm. church, St. Gerard's Parish, Father Don was on vacation. And I went into my room. My mother was watching. Can you believe it or not? Alex Trebek missed that man.
2: She was watching Jeopardy.
0: Yeah, right, right. Yeah, it's good, man, good soul. And uh, I said, Mom, I'm about to go. And I got done my homework. I said, I'm about to eat dinner, and I'm going to read my Bible and and listen to some Kirk Franklin. And she said, okay, cool. So I go in the room and I'm praising God, man. I'm listening to melodies from heaven, melodies from heaven. Awesome. And I'm just praising God, man. I'm feeling this energy. i Had never caught the Holy spirit before family. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I started screaming melodies from heaven!" And through my window came this bursting light. It was awesome. so powerful, Emily. And then I was trying to scream to my mom, like mom, Come and feel this energy. Like, but all I could keep saying was, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And the louder that I got, I kept saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And the light got bigger. And then my mom came in the room. Never forget it. She came in the room. By mind you, back in the day, we had tapes, right? I was playing my melodies from heaven, Kirk Franklin, on a tape deck. Yes. The tape deck stopped. The light burst out of my room. I was sweating profusely, shaking, crying, smiling. I mean i had like 30 emotions in one And she said baby what's what's wrong am I, I i don't know I, I was just praising jesus she said you called the holy spirit that's beautiful and i'm like really <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> praise god so she said well call, call father and said Ma, he's on vacation so you know we called and guess who answered the phone <laughs> seminarian jerry's jerry Battersby. And he said, yeah, young brother, you caught the Holy Spirit and it's a wonderful thing. And he prayed with me over the phone. He stayed on the phone with me for about an hour and a half. I remember it because my dad used to work a night shift. And he didn't get off until 10 o'clock. I should have already been in bed. I was just getting off the phone with uh, Jerry Battersby who is now Bishop Battersby. So uh, yeah, we prayed and we just, we just, I mean, we had a worship fest, man, for about an hour and a half and it was beautiful. And then that, from that day forward, Emily, Father Patrick, That's what just kind of confirmed to me that I know I have a mission here. I know I got something I need to be doing. And that's where it kind of started.
2: That's powerful, Curtis. And what, you know, Father Don baptized you, right?
0: Correct. Yes.
2: That's awesome. And, uh, when, when you, when you were worshiping and that experience happened, you know, there's, there's a theological term, man, that is, it comes right from Jesus. So it's scriptural term and then a theological term when, when, uh, sorry, John the Baptist your confirmation statement when, when he said he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and when like when we're worshiping when you know when we're worshiping the Lord when we're opening our hearts more and more to him um, there there are times where God can sovereignly Pope Benedict used to talk about how um, baptism in the Holy Spirit is becoming aware of what we've received in in baptism and confirmation and uh, that what you described, man, like catching the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit is, I I think it goes right back to what what John the Baptist prophesied that Jesus would do. He's going to baptize you with the Spirit. He's going to fill you with his presence. As you describe it, I get goosebumps because it sounds like you were utterly filled with the presence of God. And then you got a future uh, bishop to to confirm it within like an hour.
0: Mm -hmm. Wow. I tell you, man, God is good, man. And, And you know, there's so many different things that happen along the way of life. And I appreciate that because that does clear up something, too, Father Patrick, for me. But, nah, you know, like I said, I would love to be here for 98,000 years, man. But you know what? If it all stopped tomorrow, man, I'm happy. I mean, it, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, man, to be able to try your best to save souls along the way and then have fun doing it, like to mm-hmm. be myself. And, and I'm big on being authentic and real, even when you screw up, like, you know, it's just an incredible journey to be a joyful missionary disciple, man. It's an incredible journey to be in the presence of of God, man, and know whose you are at all mm-hmm. times of the day. I don't care where I'm at, man. It's a job that we have. Like, it's bigger yeah. than a paycheck. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I could do it for free. You know, my, my mm-hmm. kids would be upset because we'd be like, <laughs> not living, but, but, um, but the money does make it a little bit better. Yeah. I'm making a little bit of money, but, uh, no, but it's, 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 ministry, man. It's life. Like I love this, Amen. the good, the bad, and the ugly.
1: That's really, that's just one of the most powerful stories I think I've ever heard. Curtis, thank you so much for sharing that with us. You know, in something in the letter that really stood out to me as like another way that, you know, Archbishop and the Unleash the Gospel letter describes an encounter with Jesus is that once you've encountered Christ from that point forward, we're either all in or all out. And I think it's just so clear in the story that you shared with us. And in hearing you speak today, all these years later that you are, you know, a person who is all in, um, but maybe you could talk to us a little bit more about, you know, you've described the journey leading up to that point. Um, but once after you encountered Christ and, and the Holy spirit, um, in that really powerful and amazing way, how did you live your life differently? What was it like going into early adulthood? And, um, just, yeah, how has your life changed?
0: Yeah, no, uh, uh, yeah, thank you for, for keep, it, keep it going, right? So uh, this is a combination or culmination of like, you know, what I have learned along the way and then what I was feeling when I was younger. When you're blessed with an, when you have an encounter with with the Holy Spirit and you have that relationship and you're building that bond, just like with a husband or a wife or even your children, I mean, there it takes time for that relationship to maturate. For you to be able to out a hundred people, hear that particular voice and know exactly who that is. And so I went through a time of about three years where I was always searching for, okay, where is God at? Where's the Holy Spirit at? What am I supposed to be doing? I was more of a, a, I know I have a job, like, okay, so what's my job, right? And I was always on the hunt, like, go, go, go. And I had to learn to do three things. One, to sit and be still, and sometimes just rest in his word and rest in his love because you can hear clearer when you slow down see even when you're set on mission you got to know when to when to break back and slow down and jesus did it himself you know he had to get away from the riffraff of the talking and the, hey high five we love you and hey can you heal my sister he had to stop and had to go and almost like work out he had to have an exercise plan to kind of get himself back into shape um and that relate that time is actually more critical than the larger, people would consider larger moments, you know, those encounters, those uh, impactful experiences. So I went through a time where I had to learn what it truly was and is to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus. Like, what did it really mean to me as a young man? Because of course, I was still young. I'm playing basketball. I mean, I I, want to make millions of dollars. You know, I want to have 100 kids. Uh, Hey, am I supposed to be a, a priest or a pastor? And so I went through that. I, I had to. I had to go through that journey. I had to pray about that. I went to some of the discernment nights. I mean, I think I was like a, a repeat offender on discernment night, like three years in a row. I'm still discerning after thirty years. So uh, I had to really, you know, pray. What What is it that God wants me to do? And at one point, yes, I did want to be a Catholic priest, a pastor. And in fact, there are some days where I still say to myself, "Man, it kind of would have been. You know, I wish I would have got that. You know, but you know, life happens that way." So. Yeah, I, I ended up uh, taking a, a lot of courses, a lot of classes, whether they were, you know, just for credits or just for educational purposes. Um, I continued, you know, to go to school. I went to college. Um, and of course, when you get to college, that kind of that kind of throws a bone in everything because uh, you're not as consistent on Sundays. You're trying to get through life, you know what I mean? Um, and so college
1: is so like that, my, that was my college experience for yeah, sure.
0: You just, you just kind of run away a little mm-hmm. bit. You're doing some partying and you're, you're enjoying life. You're trying to figure out, you know, if, if that way is the way, even though, you know, that's the way, is that the way that you want to go? And, uh, so I had to go through some life experiences. I always, you know, remind myself, I tell my son to this day, you know, every experience, man, really. And I mean, this, good, bad, or ugly is a, it's going to teach you something for something for later on for you to be a blessing to someone later on, or maybe a blessing to yourself to stop you from doing something stupid. So I had to go through some life experiences. Uh, but I always stayed in the church, you know, I always came back, I always volunteered for Christmas decorations. I I, I, tr- I had the altar servers, you know, I, I tried to keep myself, you know, one leg all the way kind of in. <laughs> and then okay, I'm still out here with the right leg, still trying to figure out, you know, what, what did I want to do with my church. And then I had my son. Uh, he was born in, in 2005. And um, I had my degree, so I was already kind of secured there, and I was working for the state of Michigan at the time, and making pretty good money. I thought that that's exactly what I was supposed to do: is just work for the state, and, you know, get a good retirement plan, and and that's it, you know. Uh, and and then something happened, and then and I got an opportunity to work as a pastoral youth minister at the then Immaculate Heart of Mary Parish, and I always had loved the youth and working with young people. You know, because I know some of the struggles, especially the African-American Catholics had to go through, especially African-American men, young men, Catholics had to go through. So I always had a passion for, you know, really getting in and talking to young people and uh, you know, trying to trying to preach to them a little bit. You know? mm-hmm. And so I started to, again, get back into reading and I really started trying to preach. People thought I was talking, but really I was preaching. And that's I where I thought I was a preacher and I loved it. And it kind of like sparked a match, like a flame in me, man. I said, said, I love this. I, I, I got I to get back into church ministry. And so time would have it where I was kind of doing that. But I was also still at the state. So I was still kind of one leg in, still kind of one leg in, one leg out. And then another opportunity popped up uh, in 2010 uh, for a Christian service role um, at Corpus Christi. And uh, it, di- it wasn't a quick decision because I was discerning on if whether or not I wanted to become a deacon, and I wanted to put all of my energy and effort into really giving my life to Jesus. And I didn't know if I wanted to, and I don't want to say this in no way of disrespect, waste my time being the Christian service guy. And uh, so, you know, I, I really, it took me about four months, really, it took me four months, and I interviewed for it, and the offer was there. It was considerably less money than what I was making. Uh, so that was another, you know, reason for, Why would I do this? (laughs) Why would you do this? And uh, after a lot of prayer, I went on a retreat, a two-day retreat at uh, Subiaco House Mm -hmm. in uh, Oxford, I believe, or Washington, Michigan. I can't remember. But anyway, and uh, the whole retreat for me was designed to see if I was going to take that role. And I did. And uh, something was confirmed in me. It it was almost like somebody was screaming at me saying, serve the people. Mm -hmm. Serve the people. And ever since then, um, as far as ministry work, Emily, I've been, I've been rocking, really, and very blessed, and and, and happy, and and, and really, ha- you know, this has been a great ride, like seriously, uh, and I'm glad I took that that leap of faith, you know, I really had to.
2: Curtis, every day, um, in in this neighborhood where you minister, where I'm at with you, um, th- there's never a shortage of need. There's always, I remember when the pandemic started, like the phone for you that first week, the Outreach Center, I, I, if I remember correctly, it was pretty overwhelming. Um, you know, what inspires you to keep going? Because I've got first, you know, I got firsthand experience um, of watching, like you pour yourself out. There's no shortage of need. And I love how your Christian service, like you really, I always think of you as this evangelist preacher. And Christian service is the vehicle that you use to evangelize and preach, and mm-hmm. you do it beautifully. Um, what What inspires you to keep going and keep
0: growing? Ah, thank you, uh, thank you for those those beautiful words, too, Father Patrick. I mean, um, what what really inspires me is is it are the people, are, are the are the many families that you know think every single day that really they need Corpus Christi Parish to assist them with the DTE bill. And I chuckle in a very respectful way because I say, man, that's just what they think they're here for. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? They don't know that they're about to have an encounter with Christ, man. They're about to get ready to explode and change the life, not only for themselves, but for their children and for Mm -hmm. their children's children. And if we can do that, if we can do that on a, I'm talking about a minuscule, small scale, then I think we've done great work. If just one household could say, hey, man, they didn't give me nothing. But what they did give me was 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 a prayer and a high five. And my life changed because of that. Man, I'll retire tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But I have a pastoral scripture that also gives me motivation. It's the first book of Corinthians, chapter 15, verse 58. Mm. Therefore, and I love this, man. My dear brothers and sisters. Look at this. Look at this family. Stand firm. Mm -hmm. Let nothing, and I wish they would have bolded that if bold (laughs) was even a word back in the day. (laughs) Let nothing move you. Mm -hmm. Always give yourselves, here's a word here, Emily, listen Mm -hmm. to this, fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And I, I can say, is, you know, this is one of, this is probably the most powerful scripture that I read. And I kind of meditate on as Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, kind of praying in the morning time when I when I before the kids get up and life gets crazy. I meditate on a few scriptures. This is one of the more powerful ones.
2: Um,
0: Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. This is what we're here for, Father Patrick. Like there's no mistake. There is no coincidence that that's a nice, cute word that somebody in an English major (laughs) made up. There's no coincidences. God has everything already pre-plotted and planned. And he knew when Curtis Simpson Jr. was going to be born. He knows when I'm going to leave. Same with you, same with everybody who's listening. You know what I mean? There are no coincidences in this world. Mm-hmm. What we oh, have to man. do is be able to let nothing move us. The death of a family member, maybe a friend who doesn't like you anymore. Maybe you're a young person in school and somebody hurts you. Let nothing move you. Let nothing disturb mm-hmm. your uh, journey mm-hmm. to glory. Nothing. Nothing can do that. And so as long as we're doing and we're committed to that work of the Lord, then nothing that we do is in vain, even when we think we're doing wrong. (laughs) And that's why I love God so much. I had to learn that, you know, He's such a beautiful God, man. There's Mm -hmm. there's nothing that He doesn't want for us that's good, even when we're being stupid children. (laughs) So that's what inspires me, man. That's what motivates me is that there's work to be done. There's work Mm -hmm. to be done.
2: Praise God. As you're talking, I just think about that scripture. Seek in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom of God and mm. his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto it. And I, I just, you know, picture you getting up day after day. I know we, our campus, we have two buildings. Curtis is just down the road from me, uh, but our paths cross uh, a good bit. But every day, I mean, there's, there's always uh, people in need. Waiting, waiting for your time and your attention. And uh, each, I love how you go after. You're seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, mm-hmm. advancing His kingdom, and and always, always sharing the gospel with them and letting them know that there's there's a beautiful church. Uh, right down the road, and Emily, part of my job, honestly, is keeping people from hiring Curtis. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I just, I practice giving people dirty looks. I shake my head. Uh-uh, don't even oh, think Paul about. Oh, Patrick, it. you
1: can't give people dirty. Oh, looks. <laughs> when it comes to
2: Curtis Simpson Jr. and and somebody maybe giving him the look about it, he could help us out. No, he can't. <laughs> just kidding. Well Jesus, whatever you want for your beloved. <laughs> For your beloved uh, disciple, Curtis Simpson Jr., I, I say amen to that. I'm just horsing around a little bit. So, Emily, what's on your mind? I asked Curtis.
1: Well, you know, Curtis, something that really stood out to me there that I think would be great for maybe you could share a story with the audience about, you know, cool. things that maybe other people. Catholics and the archdiocese or other disciples who they go through their life and, you know, maybe because they haven't had, if haven't been blessed with that same sort of encounter with Christ or that same, um, mission first above all else, like attitude that you are demonstrating here in the most inspiring way. Um, something that maybe that they would, have written off as a coincidence or just, you know, going through the motions in life, doing works of mercy or mercy in action, um, and then having something that you recognize as a spirit moving in your work an opportunity for evangelization. Could you maybe share a story? Um, could be reason. It could be one from in your, you know, de- decade, long career at Corpus Christi that, that stands out to you of, um, you know, when has one of those moments, which so clear, the Holy Spirit's working such a great moment of you being called by god to step into that opportunity for evangelical charity like evangelization through the works of mercy that you're doing um that is not just a coincidence
2: Mm. take your time
0: curtis i know you got a ton of them (laughs) 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 let it rip baby (laughs) right emily's like hold on father pass gonna ask these questions i'm gonna ask these really really theoretically deep questions thanks emily no gosh no no so i'm gonna give you and and you know people who know me and, and i I hope I don't sit here and bore bore the audience or you aren't uh, really, but I kind of kind of give you a story. So that's the only way I can explain things. So here's the first thing that comes to thought as you were asking that question. Number one, as Catholic Christians, as 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 Catholic Christians in this city and state, I'll say, we have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Okay. See, just because we are enlightened just because we have a path to, to God a relationship with Christ and we're trying our best to be good people we have to practice the art of when it's not comfortable okay when it's when it's when it's maybe a, a different cultural perspective maybe a different race perspective maybe a different educational perspective maybe the economy maybe you know one person makes you know two thousand dollars a year the other makes a hundred thousand when you're at your most uncomfortable, we have to lean on that holy spirit in order to make us comfortable those are the times emily when god is at his best because both parties are now open they're like a clean slate there's nothing you can do but be real there's nothing you can do and i talk to some pastors and i have some uh, cousins who are pastors down in in uh, houston and, and down south where my family you know reside and you know we always talk all the time like you know the biggest thing that we could all agree on is Jesus was real. He was authentic. I mean, he hung out with some of the most slummiest of slummiest people in the universe and he changed them. But he had to be comfortable with being uncomfortable with who they were. Mm. Maybe they don't think the same way. Maybe they don't breathe the same. Maybe they don't eat the same. Whatever the case is, you're a vegan too, Emily. Just kidding, <laughs> I had to put that in Lean into the to,
1: uncomfortableness. <laughs> right, oh, you leaning into
0: the But we have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Those moments, when we allow ourselves to be open the spirit will pour into us things that will change the fabric of people's lives mm-hmm. it will change the atmosphere forever and it'll all be because we're open and we're comfortable with being uncomfortable the second thing that comes to mind and uh, i'll make my uh chicago bulls scotty pippen michael jordan debate yes
2: <laughs> when you're on a
0: basketball team Okay, Father Patrick is six foot 90. All right, I'm two foot seven, 500 pounds, who cares? Okay, everybody has to play their role. So if Father Pat's role is to be the defensive stopper and rebounder, and Emily, your role is to get the ball down the court, pass to our shooter, who is myself in the corner. If everybody plays their role, like a symphony orchestra, it comes together beautifully. So not only do we have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, but we also have to be comfortable with playing our role. Right, yeah. if you're not the preacher, don't get out there and try to say, "Hey, I'm about to evangelize this brother and preach and quote scripture when you haven't read your Bible." Right? Mm-hmm. Don't say, "Hey, if you know you're not in that position, or you know the Spirit is telling you not to do or move this kind of way," don't play that role. Don't be the small forward when you're supposed to be the point or the center when you're supposed to be the shooting guard. It, but it comes with time, right? It comes with an openness and the willingness to be open to the Spirit, but also. We have to be intelligent and wise enough to know God's voice through the mess. See, just because we have this wonderful journey doesn't mean it's going to be easy, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to be your your closest people, sometimes even your family, your friends, and who are going to be the most critical of you, right? So mm-hmm. we have to be able to see through the mess, hear God's words, hear God's voice, right? And be comfortable with being uncomfortable. mm mm-hmm. And that that would be my advice to people who probably say, well, you know, whatever they might be saying, I'm not for sure. I'm not comfortable with going to a person and doing that. That's fine. Pray for them. Well, you can be an intercessor. You have more strength than I do, because you're Mm -hmm. you're praying that the Holy Spirit is put upon someone else to maybe bless that person. Right. Um, The last thing I'll say to that is to be open. Right. On doesn't matter what platform it is. Doesn't matter if you're just in a grocery store. Hey, honey, I'm about to go down the street and buy some vegan meat. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, shopping, hanging out, always look for those opportunities that God can use you. Amen. Because it's not always about the people who are sitting on the top of the mountain and and, and preaching. What it's about is those interpersonal, real relationships. Those things are the ones that matter the most because that makes people change. We can't change the world but we can start by doing one person one family one child at a time and that would be my advice on this mm-hmm. journey
2: hey curtis this is awesome this is some beautiful discipleships that you're laying down right now when when jesus said in matthew chapter five um you must let, just so let your, Matthew 5, 7, 16, just so let your light shine so bright before others that they may see your good deeds and give thanks to your heavenly Father. And yet before that, I think of the Lord saying, if you would be my disciple, take up your cross and follow after me. And the the uncomfortability that you speak of, that there's times where, uh, you know, the as we follow the Lord, that we're gonna be uncomfortable, whether it's a denial, denying ourselves of something and, you know, like an act of, you know, uh, penance, you know, just disciplining ourselves or it's, you know, seeking to share the love of the Lord in in a situation where there's a, a cultural difference and, and you might just, yeah, I'm out of my, I'm out of quote unquote my comfort zone, but okay. that leaning on the Holy Spirit that, like you said, leaning on where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Mm-hmm. And this just leaning into him and then knowing your role, like, what, what are my gifts and my talents? What's the Lord calling me to do? Right. Uh, that That's powerful that we continue to say, Lord, whatever you want of me, that that's what I want. And I, he's given us all gifts and talents. And part of this Unleash the Gospel movement in Detroit is a real investment in charisms, people knowing their charisms. And I just love how you know you are a preacher, an evangelist, you carry a pastoral gift on your life, and you just a service gift oh, through the roof. And you just deploy those all the time. And then finally, man, those everyday encounters where that we get to let the light shine, being wide open that everywhere we go, the Lord, everywhere we go, the Lord wants to enable us to have the ability to encounter people. And I just think that you do that so well as a Christian Christian service director uh, who's really got grassroots on the ground. It's It's really another name for joyful missionary disciple. And I just, I just love how the Lord's working through you. Thanks for giving us those words about get comfortable with being uncomfortable, lean on the spirit, there's freedom there. Know your role, know your gifts, and be open in the everyday moment. Yeah, I think you got a teaching gift too, Curtis.
0: Hey.
1: I would agree with that. I've learned (laughs) so much in this.
2: Emily, I'm being a ball hog, forgive me. Can I ask Curtis one more quick question? Go ahead, go ahead. Oh, here we go. Now you just got old buddies talking, sorry. (laughs) 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 Curtis, um, if you, man, every disciple like it's clear listening to you and being around you but for those listening to you right now like you guys Curtis is real this is like authentic he's dialed in he's plugged in and it's awesome Um, sometimes people feel like there's a gap like when we hear a testimony of somebody and it's just like whoo I'm never gonna be there Curtis could you share a little bit like what what was like one of the greatest challenges that you went through that threatened um, that was a threat to like am I gonna keep being following jesus all in um was there was ever a time that you went through like a a difficult challenge um and how'd the lord bring you through that because it's clear you're on fire for him and uh, i think taking us into one of the 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 times where yeah the evil one was trying to take you out and uh yeah a story of a challenge you went through and how you got through it with the lord
0: yeah yeah and and i'm gonna speak very very uh you know frank and and open and and be honest and and as you know me father pat I, i don't you know I don't sugarcoat it i kind of just kind of tell it how it is uh you know I, I i i had to struggle with the fact that um you know our beautiful catholic faith was uh going through a tumultuous time you know through the you know priest situations and shortage of priests anyway in the city of detroit and shutdowns and closures and and there were thoughts in my head that you know maybe you know the leadership in our church doesn't care about me i didn't want to use the word us but yeah, I went through a dark time where I thought maybe, you know, am I really doing this for the right purpose? You know, Do I need to be doing something else? Maybe I can put my time and energy into just being a good guy, right? Because most people who are good people have the same characteristics of a Christian and vice versa. And so yeah, I just be a good guy. I mean, I don't, you know, get out there and do anything wrong. I'm not robbing anybody, killing anybody. Soon. So I just be a good guy and you know, maybe put the Bible down and and be done with that because I had kind of uh, at one point did lose my faith not in God not in not in Jesus Christ but I did lose faith in in my uh in leadership of our church
2: hey thank you for your vulnerability and honesty I just want to thank you for that keep going sorry I, I
0: hope I hope this doesn't lose my job now right no <laughs>
2: come on part of your job
0: is always call me out but back to you brother seriously yeah so yeah I I had I uh went through a, a time of about a year uh, it was quiet and it was actually pretty, pretty, uh, pretty sad to be honest. because, uh, you know, a person, I always tell people, you know, who leans on the person that leans on everybody or who everybody leans on or who talks to the person that talks to everybody or who listens to the person that listens to everybody. And sometimes I have to be honest and say no one. And so again, uh, you know, when when God gives us these different charisms and gifts, you know there does there is a cost, there's a sacrifice, right? You're going to lose some friends along the way. You're going to feel alone at times. And so I went through about a a good 12 to 13 month time where no one knew it, but I was second guessing the whole thing. And you know I had stopped my reading, I'd stopped my Bible, I'd slowed down my relationship with God, not stopped it, but had uh, definitely slowed down. But it was a very dark time. Um, and I knew, I knew after a point I didn't, it wasn't just like a, like a light switch. That was a long time, 12, 13 months. But the closer that I got to month 13, uh, I started to realize that I know my God would not have me with my stomach in, in, you know, turning and nervous or, or feeling a certain kind of a way. And I knew the feeling I felt when I was open to the spirit and when I was talking to God and when I did have my relationship with him. So I knew what was happening was the enemy was throwing me off. And then as a single man uh, who is a single father, you know, what do you have to do? Be with someone? You have to date. You have to go out. You have to, you know, you have to do those things. right? You have to have experiences. And so uh, there was a mix of a lot of things that were going on uh, that that pulled me away from that. This fire that you see today. But again, and I'll like end it with a lightning bolt is that is still how it was supposed to go. See, there's never an error. There's never an omission. There's never some some just random things. It was pre planned that way to build me up, to get me stronger, to prepare me for the lifelong journey. And so I appreciate it after after I went through it, of course, I appreciate the opportunity to go through that dark moment, to question, to second guess, to see if this was all for what I'm supposed to be doing it for. Uh, so, so yeah, that's greatest me, mysteries.
2: It. One of the greatest mysteries in our faith is that God is omniscient. God knows everything. And then we have free will. And like does God know what I'm going to choose? Like yeah, he's omniscient. He knows everything. But am I still free? Yeah. It is, whoa, it's, just, oh, it's <laughs> wild. But thank God mm-hmm. that, that you know he does honor his word. Romans 8:28 that he makes all things work for the good of those who love him. So mm-hmm. I love how you can see, like, and I see it too, man, like in our lives, like all of us disciples, like he writes straight with crooked lines, even when He we're writing that crooked line and he's okay, you know, you're yes. right on Curtis.
1: Curtis, um, for anyone, you know, who's listening, who's gone through something similar, who might encounter that in the future, you know, that like, that period of time where you do start to question things, you feel separated, you you lose that kind of like extra spark that you had and things get tough. You know, what once you sort of had started to have that revelation that it it was uh that it was, you know, just the evil one trying to pull you away and it wasn't really God who was giving you that feelings and you need to get that peace back. What did you do to kind of reconnect with your faith? What did you do to reignite your journey as a joyful missionary disciple?
0: Mm-hmm. Great question again. And and uh, again, you know, I love giving stories. So here we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> just like Ooh. anything in life, right? Uh, it all takes this, this big old thing that, that man wants to control and everybody is time, right? The thing that we can't get back the most is time. And so if you're trying to work out and you're getting a six pack, you're not going to wake up in the morning and just get a six pack. You got to do 20 sit-ups, right? And you're struggling to get to 20, you're breathing hard, you're sweating, and all of a sudden you get to 20. And you got 23 and you're sweating and breathing hard and it's hurting and your stomach hurts and you, you want to eat hamburgers and you can't because you want the six pack. And then you get 27 and then you just keep going until all of a sudden you're at 100 sit ups, 50 push ups, 20 barbell lifts and you're running for 30 minutes a day. Right. But it didn't start that way. So my advice, sister, would be number one, don't travel the journey alone, because even the most dedicated, most powerful, most strongest people in this earth, they never did it alone. Right? They always had people they could depend on. I don't care who it is. It might be a drinking buddy. It might be a bar buddy. People, we all have purpose. And no matter, we cannot judge where God is going to be. Right? We can't. We don't know. So we have to we have to open up and don't travel that journey alone. Second thing is you got to continue to work out. You got to continue even when you don't want to do it. Because you know you get days like that. Leg day. You don't want to do it. right? You're tired. You're making excuses. Oh, it's the holiday. Hey, the sun's out all kind of excuses. You have to almost, it becomes a part of every fabric of your being to continue to seek out God's voice, to make sure that you're balancing yourself by checking and balancing the Holy Spirit that's in you. Because see, this is already in us, but sometimes the light goes out and it's another person's job to light it for us. So we have to be, we have to know that we're not on this thing alone. See, the enemy wants you to think you're by yourself. See, that's why God made, that's why your auntie died last week. Yeah, hey, look, you sick right now. You got diabetes and high blood. They want, the enemy wants to, to trick you into thinking everything that you're going through, you're the only person that's ever been through it before in your life, and you'll be the last one to deal with it. So we start to feed that, right? But the more we feed that, we lose our fire. So, you know, yes, you do have to have a, a committee, of praying warriors and folks that pray for you, that love on you, that can keep it real with you behind closed doors and just say, hey, you need to do this or you're not doing that. You you got to be open again to being vulnerable. And that, of course, goes back to what I was saying earlier, em, is being comfortable being uncomfortable. Everything ain't going to be peaches and cream and cute and tasting good and smelling good. You're going to go through some fires and some wars. You're going to be wrong sometimes. You're going to be dead wrong, so wrong that you're going to lose friends. You're going to lose people that love you. You got to be willing to take that. You got to be open for that. But you do have to continue to move on. And I got to give a shout out to Miss Mary Nunnally, who mm, Mary. is an elder oh, yeah. in our church. And she is a beautiful, beautiful woman of God. And her birthday had passed. I think this was last year before the pandemic. And I said, Miss Mary, you are such a beautiful lady. I said, tell just give me one secret in life. And she looked at me. And I wish you guys could see me. I'm touching one hand like it's her <laughs> touching my hand. She said, Baby. Never stop moving. That's the key to life. Never stop moving. Never stop praising. Never stop singing. And never stop moving. That's the advice you get. And it was so simple. But it was so powerful. Because that's the key to life. The enemy wants you to stop. Because once we stop, we become conformed to where we're at. And as you know, perception changes reality. So now you think that everything is just the end. So you stop. And you no longer can now fight for God and you've lost the battle, but you think you've won. The key is to continue to keep moving. Never stop, never stop. So that's what I did. I had to, even when I didn't want to, right, ah, man, let me read this Bible. Let me, let me go ahead and pray a minute, talk to God. And let me see what he's going to tell me today. Even if it was a snobby kind of way, like a child who was told they couldn't (laughs) get the cookie on top of the refrigerator. Oh man, I know He's going to say no. Right. But I had to still ask anyway. You got to keep moving. You got to keep those communication lines open. You got, even if it's a crawl, Emily, even if it's a crawl, you got to keep moving. Don't let the enemy take you out. We got a beautiful thing going in the Archdiocese of Detroit right now. We're unleashing the gospel. We're unleashing the Holy Spirit. And you know what? We unleashing a whole lot of kick butt on the enemy. And I don't think there's anybody that, that's, that wants not to be in this circle. Even if they're not in this circle, they really want to be in this circle.
2: Praise God! Hey, Curtis, when you spoke of uh, to Emily, you know, when she asked that question, how do you how do you get through? How do you reconnect? And and you you just encourage like you know, don't go it alone. Stay stay connected. It it comes back to me. I think this is um one of the good habits that the Archbishop talks about for joyful missionary disciples: docility to the Holy Spirit, and really. Um, First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 11, verse 11 when St. Paul says encourage therefore encourage and comfort one another build up one another just as you are doing encourage and another translation yeah it's encourage and let me pull up the N-A-B. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. That's the translation I'm looking for. The, the, the one we use in church. Therefore, <laughs> encourage one another and build one another up. And just a reminder, like as you've given this testimony, just a reminder for everybody listening that life and death are in a certain way in the power of the tongue. And when Jesus said the words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life, that it, as disciples, we never know who the person who around us needs a word of encouragement A 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 word to encourage them, to build them up, and to help stir that fire? There might be a Curtis Simpson walking right next to you who just needs his flame stirred a little bit mm. by an encouraging word from a disciple. And I just feel privileged, Curtis, to hear your testimony and, and to hear you say that don't go it alone and that, that that played a role in your rekindling as well is those who would encourage you still along the journey. Cause Father Don was always there, wasn't he, man? He's oh, always, Thirty-one too. years here. He wouldn't <laughs> let anybody get away. He's, and then, it's also the other. Uh, it, that's part of the gift of this community, Corpus Christi. So connected. There's others as well, and like you know, a Mary Nunnally, or even your mom. I'm I'm blessed to know your mom. She's a powerhouse, and uh, yes. But yes. that that people can continue to encourage those that we can continue to speak words of life and encourage those around us. Just. Yeah, it's what I was drawing when you were saying that about don't mm-hmm. go it alone.
0: Nah, uh, praise God, man, and you're right. Like I said, I mean, I, I, I there's some names I really and, and God is telling me to say these names out loud. Minister Wallace Hill was one of the first black ministers in 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 the Archdiocese of Detroit. You know that I saw that I was able to talk to. He would talk to me. We would call these coffee dates every Saturday, man. It didn't matter if it was sleet, rain, and snow. That man was a warrior and he say, young man, I want to talk to you. What's going on in your life? And he would give me an hour, man, every Saturday and pray with me, taught me how to pray, taught me how to be strong. Those were those times where people were igniting that fire in me. I didn't even know it. Right. Thought it was just coffee talk. It wasn't. It was bigger than that. And people seeing you what you can't see in yourself sometimes. And so again, being open that Holy Spirit uh, Amen. Again, Father Don Archambault, he would just pick it. You know, we go out and get a sandwich or something. Everybody know I like burgers, so yeah. wink, wink, anybody. Okay. <laughs> July, my birthday, okay, I'm scared. But, uh, you know, we just go out have a bite to eat and just talking and, and just, just being able to be authentic and open. Uh, Deacon Bill Dorsey, Deacon Bill Dorsey, man, praise God for his life and his ministry. He was powerful, man. I mean, he was powerful. He was a convert. He came from, uh, I think, a church of God in Christ. Uh, church way back in the day. This is way back in the day. And he would just talk to me. He invited me to come by his house. I would cut his grass. After I would cut his grass, his wife would make us sandwiches, and we would just pick it, man, for two hours. Those were times where I could be fueled and refueled, and I didn't even know what was going on. Mm -hmm. I thought it was what we were supposed to be doing, right? But Mm -hmm. people like that, Dallas Gamache, Deacon Paul Mueller, these people have been You know, in my corner praying for me, man, rooting me, pushing me all these times. It took me a long time to realize, though, that's where it really was. And that's why I say to people on the air, you know, uh, Emily, Father Patrick, even, you know, we're okay. Where you are are where you are, and it's fine. And be kind and be okay with that because there is a greater purpose for whatever, even this, this, what we're doing right now. It's for a larger purpose. We think it's just because it's a, a podcast, and it's not. It's going to be life changing because we've spoken into existence. We prayed for it before we started. It's going to change someone's life. Who? Now that I will never know, or maybe I will. Doesn't matter to me. We're where we're supposed to be anyway. I'm sorry. That just kind of fired me up a little bit, Father Patrick. Man, praise Appreciate God. It.
1: That's amazing. Thank you so much, Curtis. I think that that high note and just thanking the community and you know putting the the impact of this podcast back into God's hands, knowing that he has a plan for it is the perfect way for us to wrap up this episode. So father Patrick, would you, um, or I guess first, I want to say thank you, Curtis for joining us. It has been so inspiring, so amazing to talk with you this evening, um, as we're recording this. And I think that there's a lot of joyful missionary disciples. I have honestly in my time here in the AOD, um, which has been almost a year now. Um, I'm not sure I've met someone who has lived out so many aspects of the letter in the in mm. their life that I I've met yet. Um, granted I haven't been able to meet that people that many people because of the pandemic, but just so, so inspired um, by the testimony that you've given tonight. And Father Patrick, I was wondering if you could close us with a prayer please.
2: Oh, I'd love to. Name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Oh Father, thank you so much for your beloved son, Curtis Simpson Jr. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to let us gather and listen to testimony from your beloved son, who's our brother, and we pray, Father, that everybody who heard his testimony would be lifted up, would be inspired, would be uh, encouraged to be an on-fire joyful missionary disciple in whatever, whatever role that we have. Uh, we just ask, Father, that we would all be inspired by, by what Curtis has laid out for us and, and go with that fire that Curtis has. And, and Curtis, I just want to ask you, brother, would you, I'm going to pitch it, I'll it to you. And I just want to ask you specifically, please, would you pray that every person listening uh, receives a dose of the fire for love of God and love of man and women um, that is in your heart? Because I see it firsthand. There's a fire for God and for people in your heart. And I just, you know, I, there's an old saying, if you can touch it, you can have it. Like you can always ask God for as seeking not God can we have some of that so Curtis why don't you drop a a prayer on us to have some of that fire for love of God and love of others
0: yes well thank you thank you uh, Emily and Father Patrick uh, for for allowing me this opportunity to to share you know testimonies and uh, to be with you all this evening this has been an amazing uh, opportunity and I appreciate it and I thank you for it so at this moment I just want to ask that the Holy Spirit bless anyone who's listening to this podcast tonight Lord I, I ask Lord that you be with all of us particularly the people who feel alone or threatened, Lord. The enemy is trying to destroy them. Oh, Lord, I'm too old, or I have a handicap, Lord, or I can't do this because I don't have the finances. Lord, we remove all of that because you promised us life. And so we give you all praise and glory for every single thing that you've given to us. Allow us to be comfortable, Lord, with being uncomfortable. Allow us to be strong and convicted to not travel this life alone because you don't want us to be alone. And Heavenly Father, I ask that everyone pick up their arms and pick up their cross and become joyful missionary disciples so that we can change the world one home at a time. So we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. And we love you with our everything in the sweet name of Jesus.
2: Amen. Amen. And the exclamation point, be blessed. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Curtis. Yeah, I love you guys. Thank you so love much. You. Thank
1: you so much. This is just amazing. <laughs> I want to thank our listeners for listening to Open Door Policy today. You can subscribe and find more episodes at UnleashTheGospel.org forward slash podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.